Hi there, I'm Keaton. Thanks for checking out one of our messages today. We would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way that you can do that is by texting River Connect. That's one word to the number 97,000. You can also head to our website, theriverchurch.cc, to learn more about us in upcoming events. Lastly, if you want to give to the River Church, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321 or head to our website and click the Give tab. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, good morning. morning. My name is Josh Yates, and um, no, just kidding. My name is uh, Chuck Lindsay, and um, I am the pastor of uh, the Grand Blank location of the River Church, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here today with you. I'm here this morning with my wife and uh, some of my kids uh, I have five kids, four biological and one that has been grafted in. Um, and by that I mean I have a 10-year-old uh, little girl that's here with me today. I have a 12-year-old boy who is up at winter camp who was so excited that it was going to be negative whatevers and snow, right? Because uh, last year we had winter camp and there was no snow, which is a weird thing. Um, I have a 19-year-old girl who is in California at Bible college, and then I have a 20-year-old boy that... I shouldn't call him a boy, but I will forever, right? 20-year-old boy who uh, just uh, graduated from that same school and is getting married in May, which is why I also now have the wonderful blessing of having another daughter. Uh, So she has been grafted into our family, very thankful. And so uh, I've been a pastor for around uh, 25 years or so, been with the River 8 of those years, and um, been the, the pastor there at the Grand Blank location, but really glad to be with you guys this morning. Thank you for uh, braving it all and coming on out, and um, hopefully you will uh, be really glad uh, we, we uh, got together this morning. You might wonder why I'm here, uh, and um, uh, this morning is what we call Pastor Swap. So what that means is, is that your pastor, Josh, is at my location and you are now, as he said to my location a few moments ago, you are stuck with me, okay? And so um, he, uh, we do this once a year. Uh, all of our pastors switch locations, and we've had people say, hey, why do you guys do that? And uh, ready? Here's the very simple answer. Because we do not want people to think that we are anything, Something that happens in church is that you can think uh, that the person who stands here week after week is the one who hears from God. That is just not the case. We are one of you. We are a part of the congregation. We are a part of the church. There are no celebrities in Christianity. It is only Christ. And so we are not, uh, as we said a few moments ago, we're not trying to build the river. We're not trying to build any one person. It is Jesus Christ and it is his kingdom. And so as we have different people speak at our different locations and as we swap around all over the place, it just says that, right? It says that if, if God's speaking to you, God is speaking to you, right? It, it has nothing to do with the person themselves. And so uh, church is not about one man, it's about one Lord. Okay, and so that's why we do that. Well, all that to say, I love your pastor uh, dearly. I love him a lot, especially because he cries at the drop of a hat. And um, I love that about him. 
Uh, I am a sympathetic crier as well, and uh, so if he goes, then it's just like I'm gone, and then it's a problem, but it's fine. Just, uh, he's a blessing to me, his family is a blessing to me, and I'm just thankful to the Lord for him. Uh, He mentioned it at my location, but we're both from California. Uh, He said he was from the good part of California, which is Northern California, and I am from Southern California, and I don't disagree with what he just said, okay, so... um, (laughs) But uh, he, is, uh, he is a treasure to me. And so um, just uh, what a blessing. Oh, you okay, sweetie? Um, he's a blessing to me and uh, uh, thankful he's a part of um, the River Church. All right, well, we mentioned it last week. Um, well, he really did, right? That every year, um, twice a year, actually, we, we do something uh, that is really important to do. And that is we sort of hit the pause button and we remind ourselves what it is that we are supposed to be doing as a church. And I don't mean what are we doing as the river church. Please don't hear that. What I mean is what are we supposed to be doing as his church, right, as followers of Christ. And so we're going to be in the book of Philippians this morning. So if you've got a Bible, Philippians chapter 2 is where we'll be in just a moment. But we're trying to remind ourselves what we, as the Lord's people, what we are supposed to be doing as the church in this world. And um, as I said, it's really important that we pause to do this. I don't know about you, but I have to often remind myself uh, what to do and why I'm doing it. And maybe this is more the case because I'm getting older. What was I doing again? (laughs) You know? You walk into a room and you're like, why am I in this room? Well, what did I do? Why, why am I in here, right? What, what is the purpose of this? You've got to remind yourself what you're doing. And then also, now, why am I doing what I'm doing? So, you know, every year, right, I'm reminding myself I need to eat right. And uh, why do I need to do that? You know, I have to hit a reset sort of, right? I remind myself to exercise and why that's important. I reflect on the year. I sort of evaluate what I've done over the past year, what I want to be doing in this coming year. The pause moments are good, and they are right, and they are necessary uh, for us as people. So that's kind of what this month really is. It's a pause, and it's a reminder. At the river, we've uh, tried to make this uh, memorable in terms of what we're supposed to be doing. We've we've summarized it by three words. You probably know it. You've probably heard it. We've said it uh, a thousand times. I look back through my notes, and I have... Uh, no joke, I have 15 messages on this topic of gathering together. That's because I've been here eight years. So I have 15 messages on this topic alone, you know. But uh, let me just say, it's not a motto that, that we've come up with. We believe that it's something that uh, the Bible teaches. Reach, gather, grow. It's the mission of the church. We are to reach the lost. That's where we begin, is with reaching the lost. This was his mission. This is what he gathered his people together before he ascended into heaven. He, he pulled everybody together. He says, guys, here it is, right? You could do a lot of things, but here is the mission. Reach people, right? Go into the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples. Pastor Josh talked about that last week. But in the New Testament, we do not just see people reaching. They do that. But we also see the church regularly doing what you're doing here this morning. What we are doing. Gathering together as his people for his name. Why do we do this? It's not just a a social thing. 
It's not just an encouragement thing. It's not just a a friendship thing. It's not a club, right? Why do we do what we're doing? We come together this morning. We come together as his people. Here it is, very simply, at the top is to celebrate him. That's why we come together. To celebrate him and what he has done and why he did it. That's, why, that's what we're doing this morning. We come together as his people. We look at what has he done, right? On that cross for us, what, what did Jesus do for us? He saved us from our sins. He made us citizens of heaven through his work on that cross. Then we come together to celebrate why he did it, right? Amazingly, he loves us. He loves us. So we worship him. I love the song we just sang. You never did another thing for me, God. What a beautiful thing to say to the Lord. If you never did another thing for me, you are good. I worship you. That's what we do. We come together. We we worship him as we gather. We talk about him as we gather. We remind ourselves of, of who he is and of what he said and of what he did. This is why we come together. So this morning, I want to show you this. Uh, From the book of Philippians, I want to show you what it looks like. So Philippians chapter 2, but before we jump in, let's pray, okay? And let's ask the Lord to speak this morning. Lord, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of gathering together as your people. I pray, Lord, that you would speak. We pray that, Lord, you would open your word, that, Lord, you would help us to hear you. I pray that, Lord, today that Uh, Not one word from me would be heard, but only from you. And Lord, that we would love you more leaving today than when we came in. And we would be more surrendered to you. And we would be more thankful and more hopeful in you than when we came in. We need you, Lord. We just give this morning to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, well, um, I have an announcement. And uh, I know it's probably kind of odd to have me be the one to give this announcement since I'm just the guest speaker. Uh, But we've made a decision as the River Church, okay? The decision is we've decided we're going to close down all of our locations, okay? We decided we're just going to live stream from now on and have no actual locations, okay? So just wanted to let you guys know that. It costs a lot to have buildings, you know, uh, the utilities, the maintenance, the upkeep is crazy, right? No more plowing parking lots, you know. Um, it's a lot of work to have multiple pastors and staff and kids directors and all the supplies and all of that, worship teams and everything else. We realize we don't have to have nine locations. We can stream to everybody's house. It's just going to be so much easier. What do you think? No, no, not doing it. We are not doing that. And, uh, but something like that sort of, I guess it sort of gets at the idea of why it is that we do what we do. What, what is the value of gathering together? What's so different about actually gathering together as you're doing this morning as opposed to streaming from home? I'll tell you what, uh, as a pastor, one of the weirdest things ever was to preach during COVID, to, a, to a, 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 a camera. That was annoying, right? 
Josh told me before I came today, he goes, hey, they're really responsive. And I'm like, well, hallelujah, praise the Lord, right? Because I'm from California and I'm from a church where people are going to be saying amen and praise the Lord and let's go, brother. You know, I'm good, right? Thank you, bro. That's what I'm saying. And listen, we're not even live streaming today, so let's just go. You know what I mean? Like, so, but it was so weird to like stare at a camera and to like try to share, right, to the camera and knowing, hey, I know there's people behind that camera. Like, I know that. But man, you know, what a different thing. Once we finally were, you know, we, we really quickly came back together, didn't we? I mean, we, real quick, some churches were like, y'all are nuts. And we're like, well, hey, yes, we don't deny that, you know. We came back together and it was like, oh, praise the Lord. And then we were in that weird, awkward cycle of like, do you, we were just talking about this before gathering, do you like shake everybody's hand? Do you hug? Remember that whole thing? It was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do, right? If they come in, I'm going to come in. But if they don't come in, we're going to awkwardly be like, you know? And then my son was talking about how like people do the elbow thing. And then you think, you're closer to my face doing the elbow thing than you were like this, right? But then the germies, okay. Anyway, why are we talking about this? Nobody wants to talk about it. Okay, anyway, back together, why are we, why is it so different Well, listen, it's really not all that different in terms of the receiving. Okay, in terms of the receiving, it's really not all that different. If that's what gathering together was, if it was just about receiving, then it's really not that big of a difference. I mean, you know, maybe slightly. It's more distracting to try to receive at home, isn't it? Let's be honest. How many messages were you listening to, uh, watching live streaming, and then, you know, you had to, you got up, and you went and made coffee, and then the dog was barking, and then the kids were playing, and then something was happening, and then you never heard the end of that message, or you tuned back in at some other point, right? I mean, in terms of receiving, distractions aside, all of that, you can receive similarly at home streaming the message and the worship, but it's still, it's not the same thing as what we're doing this morning. And why is that? Because What you're doing today is not just about receiving. It is also about giving. And I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about you and me. I'm talking about how each one of us has a role we are to play in and among the church, in and among each other's lives. We each contribute to each other in a way that that only you can uniquely do to benefit the entire church. The Apostle Paul says it like this in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. he He tells us that the church is like a body. And he says this. He says, the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working, watch this, by which every part does its share, or every person does their part, right? Uh, It causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself, that's the word edifying there, building up of itself in love. Very simple. The Apostle Paul says, this is completely, this is totally opposite of the way that Western culture looks at the church, okay? Okay? 
Western culture, which of course we live in, thinks of the church as really only in a receiving sort of way, right? Like I come to church to get. I come to church to to receive. I come to church to be encouraged or to be built up or to be, you know, all of these things. I, I come to church to get from church what I need. That is a Western culture mentality. If you've ever done a mission trip, you've ever gone anywhere else, you've ever been in another country and you've watched church, it is definitely not a what can I personally benefit from the church, walk in, walk back out, have no, no other interaction. That is not how it works. It is like everybody comes together and it is all of the giftings benefiting everybody else. And this is what Paul is describing. He says that each of us is a a vital part of the body and as each part does its part, it causes growth. It benefits the entire body. Let me ask you this. Do you think about coming here that way. Did you think about it this morning? Uh, Lord, speak to me. Lord, minister to me, but Lord, use me. Did you think about it this way? Lord, how will you use me among your people today to encourage, to help? This is how Paul talks about it. So you think about uh, a hand not doing what you need it to do is going to cause a problem, right? Eyes not doing what you need them to do, that's going to cause a problem for the whole body. It affects the whole body, but if they do what they're supposed to, it benefits the whole body. And the same is true with us. If you and I are doing what God has called us to do among the body, it benefits everybody. If we are not, it affects everybody. And so we would say it this way, The church needs you. Not only do we need you here, but we need your gifting. We need your unique calling. We need you among the body for the health of the body. So it's why gathering together is so important and it's why it's so different than just live streaming or whatever. We gather together not just to receive, but also to contribute our part to the body. Again, do you think about coming to church that way? I would challenge you to think about coming to church that way. Things really changed for me as a young man after I came to know Christ, and and I was challenged with this idea. Uh, I began to go to church with this idea that I will, will receive but then also, Lord, use me to give, right? And that really transformed the way that I came to church, that I was among the body of of believers, coming both to receive, but also to give. And so uh, this is why uh, in the scriptures we are commanded, please hear me, we are commanded, we are commanded not to abandon the gathering of believers, We are commanded to not abandon this. Again, in Western culture church, uh, I I don't know if you know this, the average monthly attendance or the average uh, attendance for for people who are churchgoers, the average is once a month. That's the national average. Once a month. 
That's really interesting, right? Because Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 10.24, it says, let us consider one another. See, it's hard to consider one another when we're not among one another. It's hard to consider what you need when I'm not around you, when I don't know what you need. But we're told, let us consider one another in order, there's a reason, in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as has become the manner of some. See, we come together to stir each other up. And this isn't just me stirring you up. This is you stirring me up. And this is you stirring each other up, right? To, look what he says, love and good works. That can't be done from home. That, that has to be, we have to gather together. We have to assemble together as we're doing. You're like, we're well, kind of preaching to the choir, aren't you? Because I'm here. Good job, right? I'm encouraging that, okay? You're, you're doing good. That's, that's wonderful. Maybe you're like, ah, maybe we'll skip it today. It's really cold, you know? Good job being here. Because listen, we need you to stir us up, to, to love for the Lord, and good works in the things that we're supposed to be doing. We're told to assemble, and then we're told not to let something happen that uh, all too easily happens. And that is, we're told not to let uh, this get left behind. That's what the word forsake means. It means to just sort of leave behind, forget about, and walk away from. That's what Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says is not to leave this behind, not to just forsake it, not to just walk away. It has become a pattern for some, he says. And um, that's what the word there means. And uh, it means for some Christians, it has become their pattern. It has become their life. Um, It has become uh, just normal for them not to gather together as believers. And to that, I would say, it's really easy to let that happen. It's really easy to let that happen. All you have, well, first of all, anybody find it hard to come back from COVID back into gathering? Anybody just go ahead and lift your hand so I don't feel alone up here. Okay. It was like, well, it's so much easier really to not go anywhere, to not do anything. It was harder to get back into like life. It's really easy to not do this. All you have to do is take a few weeks off from church (laughs) and it'll be very difficult to come back to it. If we do not push to be among God's people, gathering regularly, it easily becomes our way, our manner to just leave it behind. And so not only will we be poorer for that, but as we said a moment ago, so, so will everybody else. Well, with this foundation, take a look at what Paul says there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. I don't know if you realize, but the Lord is asking us a a few personal questions here in this first verse. To you and I, as Christians, he asks us, the first question is this. He says, is there any consolation in me? What does this mean? Well, the word consolation, it means encouragement, it means help, it means uh, comfort, it means counsel. God is saying to you and I, he is saying, um, do you have what you need in me? That's what he's asking. 
Do you have what you need from me? How would you answer that? I would say, yeah, Lord, you, you are constantly supplying what I need. When I need counsel, you're giving counsel. When I need comfort, you're giving comfort. When I need leading, you're leading. I mean, Lord, you, yes, of course, Lord, I have what I need from you. He says, great, essentially. Then he's going to say to us, great, you have what you need from me. Now go meet the needs of others. That's why he's asking the question. Is there any consolation in Christ? Is there any comfort, encouragement from him? Great, then go meet the needs of others. If you have what you need from me and I supply your need, then seek to meet the needs of others. Okay, here's the second question, watch. Is there any comfort of my love? The word used there for comfort was a word that was used to describe encouraging someone uh, because they are loved. In other words, hey, I know you're discouraged, but you are loved and that that would bring this encouragement. So the Lord says to you, are you encouraged to keep going because I, you know that I love you? We say, well, yes, Lord, uh, you've continually shown me that you love me. You've been extremely encouraging to me. Great. And what he says, just a moment is, good. Go love others. Go encourage others, right? If you feel loved and encouraged, go encourage others and love on others. That's why he's asking the questions. So, third question. Is there any fellowship, it's of, essentially, of the Holy Spirit? What does this mean? The word fellowship means partnership, it means communion, it means closeness, it means community. And so the Lord says this. This is what he's asking. Do you have me in the seasons of life? Do you have me in all the seasons that you're going through? All the different things, right? And again, I would reply to the Lord, yes, Lord, uh, you have been there. You've been my great help through all of the seasons, good and bad, right? You've been there every step of the way. And then what he would say to us is, okay, you be there in the seasons of life with others. Okay, watch this. Last question. Is there any affection and mercy? In other words, does the Lord show you tender compassion? The words he uses here means uh, that he hurts when we hurt. Do you sense the Lord hurting when you're hurt? The Bible says he does. Do you sense his rejoicing when something good is happening? The Bible says he does. The word mercy means he, he sees our trouble and then he steps in to help us. Does the Lord not do this? Does he not step into our trouble and then help us? He does. So we, he would ask us again, do I not feel your pain? Do I not rejoice with you? Do I not help you in your trouble? Do I not step in to try to help? And we would say, Lord, of course. Yes, you do. So then he says, okay, good. Now bear the burdens of others. Right? Which is what we're told in the scriptures. To bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Care for each other. Help each other. Bless each other. Let me just say to you, as you do what you're doing this morning, two things happen. One, you see the needs of, of the people around you. You see the needs of the people around you. To be able to help in those things. To pray for and to encourage and to feel the needs of others. You step in to help as you are able. Now I don't, I don't most of you I do not know. 
but I am, I, I hear, <laughs> I hear about this location. I hear about your love. As the Apostle Paul used to say about, about different churches, right? I've heard of your love for all the saints, right? I've heard of the things that you have done. And so I know you're very active in, in carrying and bearing one another's burdens. It's beautiful. But the second thing that happens is not just that, that you see the needs around you and are able to step into those needs, but something else happens, and that's this. Other people see your needs when you are among the body. Please hear this. I, it, it may be obvious, but if you and I are not regularly gathering together like this, if we're not regularly doing this, people will not know you. They won't know you. That just makes sense, doesn't it? I think sometimes we have this idea that we could go to church once a month and people are going to know us. We could show up once every six months and people are going to remember everything that that we were going through and all of the situations in life. I got to be honest, as a pastor, that's one of the most difficult things for me, especially as I get older. I can't remember things like I used to. And so I'll have people come in, and, I, and I, the last time I had a conversation, the last time I saw them was six months ago, and then they come in, and they start talking to me like I remember everything we talked about six months ago. And they'll be like, so, you know, my mom, the thing I was saying about my mom, and I'm like, your mom. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, please help me. I do not want to convey that I don't care. And then, you know, it's like, and I'm trying, right? And I'm really trying. And I'm like, oh, yeah, your mom, you know? (laughs) And like, well, you remember what happened. And I'm like, yes. No, no, I don't. You know, and you're like, she's, she moved. No, she's sick. Oh, she's sick. Yeah, you know, you're just trying to. But it's like, man, I haven't, haven't seen you in six months. Like, it's so hard to know what's going on with you. And sometimes, you know, again, we'll see this often. We'll have people who will, quote unquote, leave the church because they say something like, well, you know, my mom, she died and nobody came and nobody, you know, cared and nobody called and nobody prayed and all of these things. And, and listen, in, in nearly every case, you go, we, we rarely ever saw you. We, we didn't even know we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know if you, you go the entire winter to Florida or if like, we didn't know where you were. We haven't seen you in so long. You're not regular at all. We didn't know you, right? So there's like this reality. No one knew you because nobody could. You didn't give them the opportunity. Listen, going to church again once a month is not going to give you a community of people. And listen, everybody's trying. Really, they are. Everybody's trying. We're trying to care. We're trying to bear your burdens. We're trying to be with you in it. But if you're not here, it's so hard. It's hard to do that. And so you just end up making acquaintances with the church. You don't end up having a community of people. And so um, it'll never be what the church is meant to be unless you are regular uh, in uh, your gathering. A community that carries each other's burdens. Uh, a few years ago, my family and I, uh, we, uh, we were traveling through Northern California, um, Josh Yates country, and um, we, were, uh, we were going through Yosemite National Park. 
And um, one of the most impressive sites in Yosemite National Park is the giant sequoia groves. Anybody ever been there? You ever seen the giant sequoias? And absolutely incredible. This is like where, you know, 30 people hold hands and, and they try to, you know, get around this one tree. Like that's what we're talking about. These massive trees. I mean, they're just hundreds of feet in the air. Well, I found out something really interesting about sequoias, these giant sequoias. They look so mighty, but they grow in groves. It's really interesting. They grow in groves. So here they all, they grow together. And there's a reason for this. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. But, you know, here they are. You look up, you say, man, look at how mighty this tree is. It's, it's enormous. It's so massive. And you think, man, the roots must reach down to like the center of the earth. That's not the case. In fact, you can, you know, when you're there, you can actually, uh, you'll see there, there will be like a sequoia laying on the ground. And you realize that the root system is really uh, four or five feet deep. It's really not deep at all. It's very wide. The, 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 the fingers, essentially, of, of the roots are very wide, but, but they're not deep at all. They, they fall down, actually, very easily. You think, what is going on? The, the strength of the sequoias is that they grow together in the, in the grove. And what happens is, is when they grow, they interlock their roots And so what happens is if you have, they'll lose an entire grove. If one tree falls, they can lose the entire grove. If they don't somehow go and protect the other trees from falling, they'll lose the entire grove because one after the other will fall because you start to break apart their chain. And it's been this beautiful picture to me of what the church is. We're not strong. We just interlock, right, together, right? And so then we grow together, you know? But man, every time the enemy takes somebody out, it feels like we're all going to fall down. It hurts. It, it affects all. It's like a blow to all of us. But man, as we're all, none of us are perfect, right? But as we're all growing together and doing what God wants us to do, man, it benefits the whole body. And then you look and you say, man, look at the, look at the strength. And we go, oh, no, we're not strong. It's the Lord. He's held us together. It's a beautiful picture. Well, listen, after these four questions that our Lord asked us, he basically, at the end of it, he's just basically saying, do I help you? And we would say, yes, of course. And so he says in verse two, okay, then fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love and being of one accord and of one mind. The Lord says, be like me (laughs) with each other. Have the same love for each other, the same compassion and care, the, the encouraging love for one another. And someone might say, hey man, you know what? I got enough troubles of my own, uh, you know, to be carrying anybody else's. Why, why would I want to be carrying anybody else's burden? And the answer is very simple, because he carries your burdens with you. Why would I want to take on your burdens? Because he takes on mine. Because he tells you to. And because others will help you carry your burdens so that you don't have to carry them alone. Others will rejoice with you in the things that you rejoice in. So notice he wants us to be of one accord and of one mind, not just individuals looking out for ourselves. That is a very worldly mentality. It's a very worldly way of thinking to just 
you know, I'm just going to worry about myself. I'm just going to take care of myself and my own thing. That's a very worldly way of thinking. The church, we're not to be like that. The church is many members, but it is one body. We are not our own. We have been purchased at a price. As Christians, we're not allowed by the Lord to be only concerned with ourselves and with our family and with our stuff. By the way, there is a tremendous blessing in bearing the burdens of others. There's a tremendous blessing in the serving and giving to others. You are supplied abundantly as you do this. You think, man, I'm so loaded down with burdens. How in the world am I going to come and help you carry yours? I don't know. Listen, just get under the load with them and watch what happens. Yours, oh, interesting. Yours suddenly becomes lighter too. They're now carrying with you. Oh, let's pull somebody else into this. Oh, now three of us are carrying this? Oh, let's pull some more people in, right? Suddenly, somehow, you are supplied as you're giving out. That's what Jesus said to the woman by the well, didn't he? I have food to eat of which you know nothing. As he was hungry but was giving out, he was filled up and filled up and filled up. And that's how it works. Well, notice he says to us, verse 3 and 4, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So we are not like this world who only seeks their own and climbs over everybody they can to get what they want or what they need. That is never to be us as his people. Nothing is to be done through selfish ambition. And that refers to uh, things that would be done just to benefit me. We don't do that. As his people, we are not to just think about ourselves. And we are never to do anything that promotes ourselves. That's the word conceit there. It means to inflate. Hear this. Please do not ever exalt anybody but Jesus. Please don't do it. I'm so thankful that as a part of the river church system, right, we don't have just one guy that we are like live streaming into nine locations. I'm so thankful we have a pastor here who loves the church, who's just a part of the church, right, at each of our locations. We're not going to ever exalt a guy We're nothing. He is everything. We exalt him. We exalt him alone. That's it. Never exalt a person. Not ever. Don't ever put them on their pedestal. Because here's what happens. When you put people on the pedestals, God is faithful to knock them off. So we can't do that. It's him and him alone. No pastors, no leaders, no politicians, no teachers, nobody. There's no celebrities in Christianity. It is our Lord and Savior alone. Well, instead of being exalted and proud and arrogant, again, which is the way of the world, we are to have lowliness of mind as we are among each other. Lowliness of mind, it means to actually be humble. And it's the opposite of having this overinflated opinion about ourselves. That's how I'd encourage you to come among the body is in lowliness of mind, watch this, esteeming others better than yourselves. What do you think happens when the church comes together and every person sees everybody else as being more important and and their needs being more important than their own? What do you think happens? Well, you can read about it. 
You can read about it in the, in the book of Acts. You can see what the early church looked like. Nobody had any needs. All the needs were being met. Everybody was encouraged. Everybody was thankful. I mean, people were so happy. They ate their food and they worshiped the Lord and they had simplicity and it was a beautiful blessing. But this is what our Lord wants. He wants us to be like this. Not seeking our own, but considering everybody else's uh, needs as well, right? Well, what does this look like? Well, verse 4 says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, of course we're going to do that, but also for the interest of others. Um, what does this practically look like? <laughs> it looks like Jesus. That's what it practically looks like. It looks like him. It's the way of the Lord Jesus. That's what it is. It's a blessing to everybody that's involved, including you and every other person you come into contact with. But practically, the way that it looks is, you know, when you have good things happen, uh, people are happy that you have those good things happen. Hey, I, I got a new car. The Lord blessed me with a new car. And people aren't like, I don't have a new car. The church is like, really? The Lord supplied a car? We've been praying for you to get a new car. You're like, yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, let's, let's go drive it. You know, can I borrow it next weekend? You know, <laughs> it's probably the church too, right? <laughs> hey, the Lord answered our prayer. We're having a child. I've seen this. I've watched people who have been begging God to give them a child rejoice with people who are pregnant. It's beautiful to see it. It's a little bit hard, but it's beautiful to see it. And then when they get pregnant, you're like, Lord, how awesome is this? We rejoice with those who rejoice. But of course, in the same way, when you are in pain, we weep with those who weep. We truly care. We, of course, we don't always get this perfect or right, but we step in to try to help, to try to carry the burden with you, to try to encourage you to, to pray or to bring a meal or whatever it is, right? We're going to check in on you or whatever it is, right? We, we rejoice with those who rejoice, but we also weep with those who weep. It's what it practically looks like, real things. Listen, as his people, we first and foremost, we gather together for him to celebrate him, to celebrate what he has done for us. We come together and we talk about him and we remind ourselves what he's done and we celebrate these things, all that he did to rescue us. We sing about him. We pray to him. And man, as a dad, I love when my kids are together. I love it. I love when my kids are all together. It's a blessing to me and it's also a blessing to him when we gather together like this. But then also, please hear me, we also gather to receive. We do. I don't know how you came in today. Discouraged, frustrated, fearful. I don't know how you came in. We come in to receive, that God would help us, right? That he would speak, that he would encourage us. We do that to be filled up. But don't forget the third part. We come in also, we gather to, to give, right? To encourage one another, as Paul said, to stir each other up, to love, love for him, love for others, love for the lost. We stir each other up in these things and also to good works, to the things that we're supposed to be doing. And so may we never be those Christians who leave 
the church behind, who just walk away and just abandon it and just leave it behind. May we never be those people. May we gather for him and for us, but also for others. Well, maybe this morning you uh, are here and you don't have um, a relationship. You're not a part of the church. You, You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ because you have not turned to him for salvation. If that's you this morning, you can do that. Uh, You can be saved today. Again, I don't know you. I don't know uh, whether you know the Lord or you don't. But if you don't know the Lord and you want to be saved today, you can be. And the Bible tells you how in Romans 10. It says the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. The word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Watch this. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So maybe you haven't called upon the name of the Lord. You can do that now. It's just as simple as turning from your sin and to him. must repent, the Bible says, and believe. And so let's pray together. And if you need to turn to him this morning, you can do that. Lord, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you for the blessing that it is to gather together. Thank you for what happens as we do. Lord, I pray for every believer here that, Lord, you would encourage and help and that you would use them among the body here um, and in the world around them. Lord, I also pray for Anybody here who might not have a relationship yet with you? Is that you? The Lord is tugging at you. He's pulling at you. You have not bent your knee in repentance to the Lord. You've not turned to him for salvation. What are you waiting for? He's listening. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you this morning will recognize your sin, repent to God of those things, turning to him, asking for his forgiveness and asking him to save you, he will be gracious to you. You will not be put to shame as you call upon him. So talk to him. He's listening to you. Turn to Jesus Christ. Ask him. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved today. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you for the privilege of gathering together. It's in your holy and precious name we pray.